This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 39 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show here, the Sports Psychology Hour, at our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week getting into discussions with you about the mental side of sports. Love doing this show with you every week because we talk about your head, your mind, your attitude, your focus, your, your confidence. How do you get ready to compete? How do you deal with adversity? And... Uh, get into conversations with callers and talk about success and failure, winning and losing. I'm in my 40th year of work as a sports psychologist. Been here at Sports Radio 810 for the last 19 years. Our show's uh, been on the radio for 29 straight years here in Kansas City. Our show is syndicated in a number of cities around the country, rebroadcast throughout the week. And I love doing this show because we talk about success, failure. We talk about winning and losing. We talk about you. And, you know, in life today, we've been under a lot of stress. There's a lot going on. Last week, we talked about the whole scenario with Dak Prescott and how he came out and admitted that he had been suffering from severe depression and anxiety as a result of his brother's suicide. And I've had a lot of positive comments this week about the respect they have for Dak Prescott coming out and revealing that, hey, I'm human. I've got issues. You know, we talked about the whole Skip Bayless comments, you know, basically insulting him, degrading him, saying he's a sign of weakness because he admitted he's human. Well, I don't care what level of sport you play. I don't care if you're male or female, if you're professional or amateur, college, professional, youth, high school, weekend warrior. There's one word we all have to deal with. It's called confidence. And today I want to get into a discussion about confidence, building it, how it gets built up and how it gets destroyed. In all my years of work, it's probably the most common theme that I have to address with clients who come in my office. I've had a private practice for, as I said, my 40th year now. And I've worked with all kinds of people, professional, Olympian, Olympic athletes, collegiate, high school athletes, youth sport athletes, parents, coaches, officials. I fortunately uh, met a number of wonderful people along the way, two of them, Jeff Montgomery, Kansas City Royals Hall of Fame pitcher, Peter D. Malone, former, the founder and former head coach of Kansas City Blazers Swim Club, the, the, one of the most successful swim clubs in the country while he coached it uh, in the Hall of Fame for U- USA Swimming, co-authored a book with me called Just Let Him Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Sports, and we talk about confidence in there. I think confidence gets started when you, or when I say get started, it, it, it starts to develop, positively or negatively, when 
kids start competing, whether it's in school, whether it's in debate, whether it's in music, whether it's in sports, and how they're talked to, talked at by coaches, by parents, by teachers. I see so many athletes in my office who have issues with self, their self-confidence. And they're successful, really good athletes. But a lot of them have been affected by things that coaches and teachers said to them in a derogatory, negative way. I've got a young lady I worked with several years ago as a collegiate basketball player. She could shoot threes with her eyes closed in practice. But in game, she clenched up because she went back to her high school coach in her mind who would yell and scream at her if she missed a shot. Well, that message in, in, in just stuck in her head and even though she was really good player, she lost her confidence at the collegiate level so we worked on this and finally she was able to get it back by dealing with this. In fact, I had her, the, the intensity of this angst with her was so strong I had her write this coach a letter which she never sent but she wrote her a letter and basically told her in the letter how awful she felt about the way this coach yelled and screamed at her when she'd miss a shot because you see she didn't miss shots on purpose she missed them now I get it that People yell and scream. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about how you handle an athlete's ego. Because really, in the end, it's about that individual's ego when they're out there competing. And you as a coach have got to analyze them. Years ago, my younger son, Gregory, he came to a uh, seminar I was putting on for, for a swim team, which he ended up participating in on that team as he got older. And as we're driving home, he said, Dad, we were talking about something. He goes, don't psychologize me. It's a great word, psychologize me. He said, because I just need to do it my own way. I said, okay, fine. Because what happened in that seminar was a couple of these kids brought up how they didn't like the way a coach had talked to them about their performances. Got angry at them because they didn't do well. It wasn't like they didn't try, they just didn't do well. And getting angry at them did them no good. In fact, it left a negative message in their head. Now, I'm not sitting here saying as a coach you shouldn't get upset at your athletes about things. But how do you handle it? How do you, how do you communicate it? Confidence is, is such a sensitive thing. We all are going to fail. We're all going to screw up. So if you're coaching kids, do you get mad at them if they misbehave or they're acting out? That's one thing. That's not what I'm talking about. But you have an athlete who doesn't do well. They fail, they screw up. So you get angry at them for screwing up. Does that accomplish anything? Now, there might be some kids out there that that's, that's throwing fuel on the fire for them. And that's going to motivate them to play harder. But most kids, if they're trying hard and they screw up and you get angry at them, that leaves a negative message in their mind. It leaves them feeling down. It leaves them feeling like they're not worthy. And that message sticks in their head. And when they get older, if they don't do well, that stuff sticks around. 
So today I want to open up our phone lines. I'd like to hear from you about self-confidence. If you're an athlete who is a confident individual, why do you think that is? Love to hear from you and get your thoughts on that. And if you're someone who's had a confidence issue when you've competed, let's talk about that, see if we can find some solutions for it. Love to talk to you about this and see what you say, see how you feel. And if you're a coach, I'd like to hear from you about how you build confidence in the kids you coach. And also, if you coach and you think you have hurt the self-confidence of some kids before, what you think you did wrong? Did you learn from that? Did you grow from that? Did you get better from that as a coach? That's our topic today. That's what I want to get in discussions with you about. Because in the end, you know, I talk about preparation, focus, attitude, and confidence as the keys to success. Confidence is the foundation of all of it. Confidence means believing in yourself, believing in your abilities, believing in your skills, believing in what you can do. If you're overconfident, that becomes cockiness, it becomes egocentricity, it becomes arrogance. But a balanced confidence out there means you're ready to succeed, you're ready to fail if it happens, but you're ready to come back from it. All right, I'd love to hear from you if you're a coach, if you're an athlete, if you're a parent, you're a teacher, an educator. We're talking about self-confidence, how to build it, how to destroy it. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Give me a call. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist, With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad. How do airplanes fly? 
What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Olivia, from Washington. <clears throat> Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel, from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. From sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, this is the Sports Psychology Hour from the flagship station Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Today, the topic is self-confidence. How do you build it? How do you destroy it? And I'd love to hear from you if you're a coach, if you're an athlete, you're a parent, you're an educator, you're a teacher. Maybe it doesn't have to be sports. You coach, you could coach music, you could coach debate. How do you build confidence in kids? Our phone number is 913-3810-810. If you're a coach, how do you build the confidence in the kids you're coaching? At the same time, how does your confidence get ruined or destroyed? I've worked with athletes, as I said, at all levels, all the way from the professional Olympic level down to kids sports. And this is the one topic that everybody brings up. At some point, your confidence gets frayed, it gets hurt, it gets damaged. And oftentimes, it can come from comments made to you by other people. I have a young man I'm working with right now who's a high school baseball player playing fall ball. He said there's another kid on his team who picks on kids when they screw up. And I said, well, how does that make you feel? Because, well, it knocks me down, and I can see some of my teammates, when he says this, they, they just get upset. And I said, well, you know what? You know what leadership is? Leadership is about taking charge and saying something. So I'm interested in seeing him next this coming week because he's going, he said he's going to confront this young man this weekend. And said, look, you're hurting the confidence of kids on the team. And I don't like the way you say these things because somebody screws up, you get mad at them. It's not like 
we're screwing up on purpose. And, of course, when you screw up, you make an excuse about why you screwed up and don't take responsibility for it. There's a lot of a – there's a big connection with confidence and leadership. I think those two words fit together. But I'd like to hear from you. If you're a coach and you have a young man, young lady – whose confidence is not very strong. How do you develop it? How do you get them to build it up? And if you're an athlete and you've had trouble with your confidence before, why? Let's get some calls in here. Let's get a discussion going about this because this affects everybody. Okay, we've got all the sports are going on now again. Thank God. Even though they're really minimal or no fans at games. Baseball, football, basketball, hockey, soccer are all going on. Golf, tennis, Everything's happening. What's it like to play if you're an NFL player in a stadium without fans? I work with several NFL players. They've all told me, you know, after after the first this first week, it was a little unusual. And one guy said, you know, I wasn't sure how it was going to affect me mentally and how I was going to focus. But he said after after a couple plays, I didn't even realize it. And I said, how did that affect your confidence with yourself? Because you know what, Doc. I was concerned because I thrive on that energy that the fans give us. But there wasn't any. But then I thought about it, and, and he and I talked about it. He says, you know, it's not going to affect everybody, not just our team, the other team. They were the home team. He said, so I just learned to deal with it, and it didn't really affect how I felt about my play. I got really focused on myself. And there's the other word, focus. If you're a really confident person, you're going to be focused on execution. FOE is what I call it. Focus on effort or execution. Instead of FOR, focus on results. All right, my producer Blake played football <clears throat> for a long time. He's still a young man, though. Now, Blake, you are someone who, you've got confidence coming out of your pores. You're just a very confident young man. Out the wazoo, yeah. like I like to say. Okay, well, we're not going <laughs> to get into too much detail about that. <laughs> it's too early in the morning for that. All right, but... You have you have a lot of self confidence, but I'm sure there were times when you played and you played football at the collegiate level. There were probably times when your confidence wasn't very strong, right? Oh yeah. I mean, you are human. You make mistakes. We all screw. So, tell us about. And you're a high energy guy. You have a lot of lot of even this early in the morning. You're you're very up and going. Spry. So, when you let's let's take two examples. When you were confident, how did that affect your play? And and if you don't mind sharing with us. When your confidence was waning or it was lower, when it wasn't so high, why was it? Yeah, so usually when I was when I was confident, I mean, there was nothing that could take me down. I was on, and usually my play reflected the confidence. It, it was rare that I had. Oh, we're getting a call at the moment. All right, we'll get go ahead and get the call. We'll come back. To yeah, that. yeah, okay, because because to me, and, and like like Blake just said, his energy level was high. His confidence was there. He was so you're focused. Your 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 attitude's good. You're into what you're doing. You're not worrying or dwelling on the negatives. But when your confidence is waning and it's not so strong, that self-doubt is there. And you hear the negative messages you've heard from the, in the past. So that's the type of thing that can happen. So what I'd like to think about here, if, if you're a coach, when you're talking to kids, when they've screwed up, okay, how do you react to that as their coach, as their leader? Okay, Blake, go ahead. I accidentally just hung up on Ben. Ben, give me a call back because I know that you had some words on what not to say to kids when they were um, trying to take coaching. Yeah, our so numbers, go ahead and give me a call. Okay, here's, here's our call. We're back. Okay, so 
the whole issue comes down to as as a parent, as a coach, as a teacher, as an educator, you have a big impact on the people you're you're working with. And the message you give them can affect them directly. All right, Ben, are you there? Yeah. Good I'm morning. Here. How are you? I'm doing really well. I love the show. I usually listen to it on my way to my run on Sunday morning, so I appreciate you doing this. You well, you're running, about you're, a lot of really good stuff. You're welcome. You're running in the dark right now. Oh, yeah, I love it, because you get the sunrise on Sunday and Saturday. It's great. That's correct. Yeah, I've, I ran for years. I loved it when it was dark out, as long as, long as oh. you know where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. What would you like to share with us? Well, I kind of want to talk about what, what I feel like is important, to, what to not say. And let me give you a quick example. So I have a runner. Actually, it's my daughter. And uh, I've coached cross country for a very long time and other sports. And over the past probably two or three years, as she prepared for high school, she did really well, um, competed at a pretty high level. And I remember saying numerous times, I can't wait for you to get to high school. You guys are going to be so good, and you'll have a real shot at winning a state championship as a team, et cetera, et cetera. Let me, let me, let me, let me thought, ask a question, if I can interject. Yeah, absolutely. Did, did saying that put pressure on her? Oh. Okay, there we go. Oh, I had a feeling that's Incredible. where you're going. Okay, go ahead. go ahead. Incredibly. And I think from my perspective, until I actually sat back and was explained to this by I, you know, by a professional, um, that I thought I was just, you know, being excited and trying to set expectations, you know, trying to be, you know, positive and, you know, get her excited about this. But what she was hearing was, if you don't do well... It's your fault. If you don't you know, get to this next level, it's your fault. If you're going to let your team down, you're going to let your dad down, you're going to let me down, you're going to let your coach down. And that, and that pressure and those expectations just build and build and build. And, there's a, and kids, regardless of the age, regardless if you're their dad or if you're their coach, how many kids do you know want to tell you something you don't want to hear? Not very many have the confidence to tell you, hey, look, I just want to have fun. I'm just here to run with my friends. Most kids they just don't have that maturity level, you know, and even at an adult level to tell a coach, you know, what they're really thinking. And I think what I've learned over the past, honestly, couple of months is what the best thing to say sometimes is nothing. All right, and I want to, I wanna, Ben, I want to put, I wanna, thing to say. we got to go sure. to our commercial break here. I want to put yeah. you on hold because I want to continue sure. this conversation after the break. This is a great conversation. And this is exactly what so many people deal with. I'm sports psychologist, <laughs> Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. 
One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Ben, let's get back to our conversation here. So you were mentioning, because we're talking about self-confidence, so what you said to your daughter did what to her? Well, I think it put a lot of unreal expectations in her head. Even if I didn't know, really even know that I was setting unrealistic expectations and the amount of pressure that she put on herself, and she could not, she could not communicate that. She or didn't even, I guess the confidence was lacking in order to say what she really felt. And I think a lot of kids feel that from a parent perspective, a coach perspective, of, of maybe not even having, oh, sorry, sorry about that, not having the tools to be able to um, speak what they're really feeling. There needs to be a way of, to actually have a better level of communication where they have even the confidence to tell you, hey, 
you know, I'm just trying to do my best. I'm not worried about whether or not we win the state championship. I just want to, you know, be with my friends and, you know, and things like that. I, I don't know sometimes. I don't know how you, how, how they get the confidence to tell you that. Well, let's, let's discuss it because I think I've got some ideas on that. First of all, okay, so you coach at the high school level? Actually, I coach at the third to eighth grade level. Okay, and she she is where now? What what le- grade level? She's she's a freshman. Okay, has she said, responded to you about the things you've said to her? Oh yeah, we since we've <laughs> yes, <laughs> we've we've we have crossed that bridge and now have a much better understanding of where each other are standing. Completely yes, so okay. we have managed to work through that. But it was to be quite honest with you, it's been with professional help. Well, that's good because that that's that's what you have to do because see see here's the thing. And I work with with people with this type of stuff all the time. I have lots of high school kids and their parents that come in. I had a I've got a, a freshman basketball freshman basketball player a young lady and her dad coached her and he didn't realize actually he read my book which is what brought him in brought them in to see me and and also their coach suggested it. But a similar type of thing. He wanted nothing but the best for his daughter, but by putting these these expectations on her about what he wanted, it put pressure on her. And so it's great to say I'm excited, but the other side of the coin, Ben, is is asking them, well, how do you feel about it? What do you want? Instead of, you know, it's great that your your enthusiasm for her was there, but maybe the way she took the enthusiasm was the wrong way. Agreed. And so, so then that that's where, when I work with people, it's, it's like I try to ask both parties, "How do you feel about this? About what's going?" On? And you know, you didn't do anything wrong. You weren't doing anything wrong. You're just excited about what's going on. But unfortunately, then then that put pressure on her. And so, how did that how did that come across? Then how did you figure it out? Well, to be quite honest with you, it took in still taking you know, a kind of a one step at a time, one day at a time kind of perspective of this. Of uh, I, I'll use the confidence part that you talked about a little earlier is maybe a more, you know, we've talked about maybe more realistic, you know, kind of expectations is, hey, let's just finish the 5K and, and set a time and then work on that time. The days of worrying about, I think this is the other thing too that I've learned is you don't, Every, not everybody's going to be first. And expecting, or a kid putting those expectations of, I've got to be first, when in reality, you know, 20th, 30th, and not even, not even worry about what the number is. It's more worried about, let's worry about, a, not even worry, because that language is important too, because worry... The word, know, the, excuse me, excuse me if I can interject, Ben, but yeah. see, to me, the word should be focused. See, I, I talk about the difference between go. focusing and worrying a lot. And, and my definition of winning is not coming in first place. My definition of winning is, did you improve? Did you get better? Yep. So so that would be, to me, if you can interject that in there, because I mean, of course you want to come in first place. Who doesn't want to come? Everybody wants to come in first place, but everybody isn't going to. But it, it's like, I, I've used this analogy for years. I ran for 40 years. My knees are shot now, so I can't run anymore. But if you, if you get 1,000 people running a 10K road race, and everybody runs their best time. They're all winners. Now, I know there are people out there who tell me, I'm, you know, that's a bunch of bunk. You're full of it, Doc. Got to come in first. But if everybody keeps getting better every time they run, where does that put them, Ben? Exactly. It's just going to break them down. Yeah. So, so we're... Well, go ahead. Go ahead. 
I was going to mention as well the a little technique that we've been using um, is, and I use this with a lot of the kids that I've been coaching, is you set two goals. We have a stretch goal, so kind of a, hey, this is what I would, if the stars aligned and I had my best 18 weeks of training, this is what my stretch goal would be. And then this is my realistic goal, you know, which is, hey, I want to finish every race, right? And so you have something that they can, that's actually achievable, you know, and then another one that maybe could be achievable, but it's more of a kind of an idealistic goal or a, a, a further down the road, something to shoot for over, the, over years versus something that could be achieved within that season. And I think when you put the, give them something and they, and they come up with the goal, not you, when they come up with the goal of this is what I think I can do, I think it also empowers them a little bit to a little take control of their training or their running or, or whatever. So we try to do that as well, and it does seem to help. Well, years ago, I was the University of Kansas sports psychologist, and I was their first sports psychologist. And, of course, I'm one of the first sports psychologists in the country to begin with. Anyway, I worked with a swimmer, and this is all public knowledge. Her name's Tammy Thomas, and Tammy won two, two NCAA titles in 1983 in the 1,500-yard freestyle swims. In fact, she broke the American record in the 50 free twice in the prelims and finals, and then in the 100 free she broke it in the finals, and then she broke the 50 free again in her leg of the 4 by 50 relay. His name Swimmer of the Meat, got all this notoriety, and she, but she talked publicly about we, we had worked on goal setting and set weekly goals. Every week the goal was to try to better her time from the, the previous week. It wasn't about beating anyone. It was about getting better. And she ended up winning these these titles, and, and that's what I've worked with so many people on over the years. It's how can you continue to get better? And if you if you didn't improve, see that's where a coach's job to me, Ben, is if you if if your daughter doesn't improve, okay, well why didn't you do better this week? It's not what's wrong with you. That sucked. You're terrible. Okay, why what do you think happened? Oh, I don't know. I just you know I was tired. I didn't feel good. My energy level. Okay, well let's look at why you were tired. How was your eating? How was your sleep? How were your sleeping patterns this week? How does all that fit together? Because. It all it all matters that way, and, that, and I think that's where you can you can you know be the most beneficial. No, I appreciate it, I, and I guess the last thing I would want to say is, is to all the coaches and parents that are out there, uh, this can be serious. I mean, in terms of their actual mental health, um, there's you know you'd be surprised how how much they can dig into themselves and and hate themselves almost to a sense. Um, where you can you know, not just do damage, I don't want to make it sound like that, but I mean, it, it, it can be where they're going to need help for a long time to kind of work through some of these things. So I just, you know, if nothing else, if they can just, if you can just tell them you love them. Well, that, if really, it, that you hit it right on, I was going to say, the, the most important thing I think as a parent, it, when your kids go out to play or compete, you say, go have some fun and enjoy yourself. Don't yep, Don't worry about the winning and losing. Go out and have, I mean, yes, you want to win. You want to come in first. You want to do your best. But you know what? If you do your best and you came in last place, but you improved in your time from the last week, you're getting better. And that's the whole story. And that's what it's about. Listen, sir, thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate your call this morning. Great comments. And good luck with you and your daughter. Thank you. Take care. Okay. You too. That was a great call. Okay. That frees up our lines. I'm talking about building self-confidence, destroying self-confidence. If you're a coach, like here's Ben, he's a dad, he's a coach. He's affecting his daughter's confidence without realizing it. And it's about communication and it's about listening. 
and it's about asking questions. That's See, the great coaches that I've worked with over the years are great communicators, but more importantly, they're great listeners. They get, they're psychologists. I, 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 I have, you've heard me say it before. A good coach is a good psychologist. A bad coach needs a sports psychologist. And good coaches take the time to listen to their athletes. Good teachers take the time to listen to their students. Why are you here? What are your goals? What do you want to accomplish? How can I help you? How is what I'm saying benefiting you? Or how's what I'm saying maybe not helping? Be a good communicator. Be a good listener. That makes a big difference. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're talking about self-confidence. Love to hear from you. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy. Your football buddy. Or you, your best man. Your worst man. You, your dog walker. Your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke anime Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. 
It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Everyone, I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. That was a great call from Ben. I want to thank him for calling in. Be careful out there and you're running in the dark. I've run many, many times in the dark over my years, and uh, you got to watch where you're walking and jogging and running. Anyway, self-confidence, how you build it, how you destroy it. So that, that, that was an excellent conversation with him about, as a parent, as a coach, enthusiasm for his daughter to get better and run and do great, but not realizing, in, in a sense, that what he was saying to his daughter was putting pressure on her because it was about how he felt, which nothing wrong in how he felt, but not really seeing as much about maybe how she felt. All right, so I'd love to hear from you. If you're a coach or an athlete, we're talking about self-confidence. If this has been an issue for you, if you're a coach and you coach, your, you're not sure how you're affecting the confidence of the kids you're coaching. Love to hear from you. And so confidence, like I said, it's the ability to believe in yourself, believe in your skills, believe in your abilities, but also to believe in yourself enough that when you screw up or make a mistake, you don't beat yourself down, berate yourself, cut yourself down. You challenge yourself to get better. So, Blake, we were talking before Ben called about your confidence level, and you said when you are on, your confidence is on, you play great. Go ahead and finish what you're saying. Yeah, so so every time that I was on, it was, it was high energy, high focus. If I was on, you know, my, my focus was there. It was laser. So I didn't have any issues with worrying about a lot of things, trying to compound some issues in my brain. I was just focusing on catch ball, do play. I mean, it was very robotic in the sense of I was on. You know what I mean? You were focusing on executing. Exactly. That's, that's what I was saying before. That's I call it. it FOE. Focus on your execution. You weren't worrying about, oh, I better not miss this or I better not screw up you're focusing on on just executing execution and then you played your best and then when I realized I wasn't playing my best is when I was my confidence was shaken and usually what happens when your confidence is shaken you forget about focusing on execution the FOE part and you focus on the result and you focus on what's going to happen after the action that you're doing whether you do it well or not you're more focused on the result of what follows is the coach going to say something to me whether I catch it or not? Is my teammates going to say something to me whether I make a good play or not? Uh, am I going to get any type of feedback from the quarterback? Am I going to get any type of feedback from my coach? You're worried about the reaction. There's a, I was just going to say, instead of focusing, you're worrying. Yeah, you're worrying. When you're focusing, you're concentrating on what you're doing. And you're shook. And when you're worrying, you're concerned about what may happen or what may go wrong. So, so the... So the, the concentration level is in the, in the wrong direction. I sort of draw an arrow, draw a line. It, 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 it's got the focus on one end, worry on the other. And I will show that to the, to the people I'm working with. Okay, where are you at? Like, to give you an example, I had a uh, physician come into my office on Friday, and he said, look, I, I need you to help me with my golf game. When I'm on the driving range, and he's a very fit man in his early 70s, great shape. He goes, when I'm on the driving range, I'm crushing it. He goes, but then I get to the first tee and I see those woods over to the right and I'm worried about hitting him in the woods and guess what? I said, you hit it in the woods. 
because his focus was not on execution. It was on worrying on what he didn't want to do. And I will say that when you're focused, your concentration is on anything inside the field of play. When you are worried, it's anything outside the field of play. Yeah, Whether it's the woods, those woods are outside the field of play. You're not worried about getting it in the middle of the fairway. You're worried about hitting it in the woods, which aren't even in the, in the field of play. I'm worried about a coach who's not in the field of play. You know, I, I think I've, I've talked about this before. Years ago, there was a NFL playoff game between the Packers and the Seahawks. And it was in Seattle. Green Bay was ahead. And Seattle's coming back in the fourth quarter. Seattle scored, and then they, they had an onside kick. And the ball went through the Packers player's hands, hit his helmet, bounced off his helmet. Seattle recovered. Seattle went on to win. This player then went to the bench. The special teams coach ripped off his headset, went over and just reaming this guy, just screaming at him in his face. And he had to be pulled away by a couple of other Green Bay players. Come over and pull, just pull the coach away. And one player was like, like almost about to hit him. And this this player, the Green Bay player, is on the bench. His head's in his hands. And the game was still going on. There's two or three minutes left. And he was back on the field again. But I guarantee you his confidence level was not very good when he went back out there. Because this guy – now, I'm sitting there. If I'm sitting there, I, if I was working with that team, I would ask that coach later on, okay, do you think he deliberately did that? Okay. Now, I understand you're you're ticked off. You're upset at him. But there's plenty of time left. He's going to play some more. And you just really didn't help him any by doing that to him. You know, I mean, you might go over and say, hey, we got to focus better. You got to do better. Let's let's work on this instead of screaming and yelling at him. Because that guy came back out later. And I guarantee you, his mindset was not good. So that's the whole thing. So when you played, okay, did you ever have a coach get on you? I'm sure some coach got on you at some point. Oh, yeah. And how did you take that? It, it kind of just depends. Uh, if I thought that what I did was in the wrong, obviously you have to understand as a player, you're going to mess up sometimes. Sometimes the coach has to get on you, depending on what it was and the severity of what they're saying to you. Now, I was a pretty tough-skinned kid, so there wasn't a lot that shook me, but sometimes... Hold on, hold on. You, you still are. <laughs> yes, I am a tough skin. I and refer to myself as a kid. A young man. Um... Uh, so there wasn't a whole lot that shook me, but if I definitely felt that the either what what happened was I was on the brink of potentially screwing up so bad that I could be benched, then I started to worry about things outside the focus of play. If I felt that the the you know butt chewing was unwarranted, then I started to worry about well what the heck like what did I do like I didn't think that that reaction was warranted by the the action that I had, you know what I mean? So it's in, it's issues like that, that sometimes shake you and you got to realize sometimes there's unwarranted butt chewings and you have to figure out a way to communicate with your coach, either a way to understand, Hey, where were you coming from to warrant that from what I did? Well, but that's, but see, see Blake, that, that all comes back to communication. Yes. And if you're, if you're a coach and you get on your athletes. That you know, there's nothing wrong getting on your athletes yeah. about things. No, not as at all. long as you understand how they're going to react to that. Because you've got some that can take pretty much anything you say, and it'll motivate them. And then you have some when you say something to them, it's going to knock them down. 
and and because we're all different people, we all come, you know, we're all people. But we all have human emotions. It's, it's just like I said last week on the show. Dak Prescott, whom I've never met, but I respect immensely for the fact, even even though he plays with the Dallas Cowboys, okay, and we're Chiefs fans here, but for the, for the fact that he came out and said, hey, you know, I've got some personal issues here, okay, I've been fighting through them, I've been working on them, okay, for him to say that took a tremendous amount of self-confidence and leadership, which Skip Bayless insulting him was was just ridiculous okay i'm sure skip bayless did it for the attention and all because that's that's part of what he does okay but nonetheless I, I think you have to you know any any professional athlete who admits i've got to work on something that to me is a sign of strength i mean in in, in life today with with all the stuff that's going on in our in, in our society and life and all the negativity and the anger and all this the stuff in politics and all the hatred okay confidence is a big part of this and if you can work on you know communicating with people talking with people positively in a good way it's going to make a big difference you want to finish up? yeah real quickly i i the perfect example is my former um college football coach my so i played wide receiver in, in college but i also played defensive back for a season and my defensive back coach his name was james colsey former for, florida state football player um i don't know if you remember the game choke it doke florida state versus florida he was the guy that made the interception to run back touchdown anyway he had a great line of communication now coach colsey told us hey if I get on you on the field, I might rip your butt. As soon as we're done with practice, we're friends. Don't worry about it. He'd hug but that's about hugging everything. Because that's about communication. He told us right up front. Right. And so I never took anything he said poorly. You knew he was trying to, right. But you're also a college athlete. And you're not, not an, a middle schooler. So that's a yes. big difference. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hope you enjoyed the show today. We've talked about this whole issue. We will talk about it again on future shows. Self-confidence is the ability to believe in yourself. If you're a coach or a teacher or an educator... Be a good communicator. Most importantly, be a good listener. Hope you've enjoyed the show today. There are a lot of ways to reach me. My office number is 816-561-5556. My website's winnersunlimited.com. You can follow me on Twitter at DRJ Sports Psych. Hope you enjoyed the show. Our shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio 10. They're on SoundCloud. They're on Apple Podcasts on my website. Get some coaches to listen to this. It's going to help them out. Take care. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Olivia from Washington. 
laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel, from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna, from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha, from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by End Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council.